Let us um, read our scripture for today. It'll be coming out of Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to just read verses 12 through 14 for our scripture today. But we might delve in a little deeper than those passages. Romans 5, 12 and 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. May the Lord add a blessing and a hearing to the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Let me pull this together. Amen. I ask that you pray with me as I bring forth the word this morning. Amen. How's everyone doing? Amen. Amen. We want to... Our online viewers, good morning, good morning. I hope you, I know you enjoyed it, amen. I know you enjoyed worship today, amen. We are so glad that you are um, uh, joining us this morning online, and we just ask that you just get involved in the chat with our online ministers, amen, and receive a word this morning. So, um, first of all, thank you all for your prayers. I'm feeling much better, amen. Praise God that uh, his healing power has uh, rendered this terrible cold that I had. Uh, and thank you for your prayers. So it is good to be before you this morning. And in uh, the last time I, was, I had spoke, I talked about a unity, you know, the, the unity that God expects out of us, the unity that, that God calls for his people to work in, to work together in. And uh, talked about um, being unified as a church, being unified as a body of Christ. Without unity, we fail, amen? We have to become one in order to, to do the promises and the things that God has for us. We have to be unified. Just as the Trinity is unified, we as the church, as the bride of Christ, have to be unified. Amen? You see, we are married, and we are, there, there was a marriage ceremony uh, that took place. Amen? When Jesus gave his life for us, when he suffered the cross when he did what he did for our sins and we received him to in our heart, there was a marriage, there was a unity that was formed. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't, we don't stick to, to the vows that we made. Just as in a natural marriage, you're just in love. Remember when you first invited Christ into your heart? how excited you were, how much you wanted to share, uh, the love that you felt, the peace of mind, just the joy of your salvation. Kind of the same thing when you get married. I mean, you're just excited. You can't keep your hands off each other. It's baby this, baby that. How can I serve you? Roses coming in the door, hot bubble baths, just all that ushy, gushy, lovey stuff. Calling each other during the day, greeting each other at the door just unified, unified as one. And as life goes on, <laughs> as days go by, it just kind of starts um, wearing on us, amen? 
I've been married, so I can say that. You know, when we first got married, Lord have mercy, okay? We were just, ooh, it was just all feel good, happy, you know, just nothing could go wrong. Even if, if something did go wrong, oh, baby, I'm sorry, I love you. And, you know, everything was just aligned, you know, because we were new at it, and it was exciting, and it was something that we wanted to do. So just as we are with Christ, when we first unite with Christ, how we want to share this love that we have. We want to share the excitement of what God has given us. But as time goes on, and as life happens, as offenses come, as sin creeps in in different ways, we get tired, we get weary, and we take our eyes off of what God had called together, amen? We take our eyes off of each other, we begin to, to assume, you know, hey, oh, that's just him, or that's just her, or that's just the way they act. There's less apologies, there's less bubble baths, there's less roses, there's, there's that, that, that oogie-googie feeling that you get just kind of wanes off, and, you know, we'll celebrate on an anniversary or a Valentine's or a birthday, or, you know, we, don't, we just don't do, do as much for each other as we used to. So the same is in our Christian walk. We are the bride of Christ, Amen. And as the bride of Christ, we, we should be excited about the fact that Christ died for us, that Christ took his life, amen? He laid down his life for us. I don't know of a husband or a wife yet that I've known uh, that has done the total lay out my life for you because we get angry with each other, we get mad with each other, we withhold from each other. Christ didn't withhold anything absolutely nothing till this day and until eternity will he hold back from you. So he is a good husband, amen? <laughs> he is a good, good husband, and he loves us. And so his commitment to the unity is spot on. And we've got to align ourselves to what Christ has called for us to do and be unified with him, amen? So many times we as Christians will hear the voice of God telling us to do something or unctioning us or, or telling us to pick up our gifts, stir up your gift. Why aren't you involved? Why don't you do this? And we go through the list of, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I, I just can't do that, God. I just, I don't want to do that. And God's I've given you everything that you need. You have the presence of the almighty God within you to be an overcomer, to, to be a way maker, to do, what you, to do what I've called you to do. But we oftentimes, we, we hold back on it. I mean, it's almost like we gotta pull, you know, God's gotta pull us or drag us into something. And so this morning I wanna talk about, you know, not only about the unity that we have and the power that we have that lies within us and the oneness that we have with Christ. And I think, you know, I just wanna explain briefly, I won't be before you long, what that really looks like. What does that really look like? And what does it look like from the view of the cross? Just before pastor passed, we were, we had done a lot of preaching together during the pandemic. Um, Y'all remember in our homes, sitting, <laughs> sitting at the table. Um, and uh, pastor, y'all know how theological and orderly he was. <laughs> we were totally opposites. Um, so <laughs> we had started talking about um, 
Easter. We had started, you know, preparing for Easter and we're throwing out some, you know, thoughts on Easter and everything. And so I'm the nosy, I'm the nosier one of us. And so he had me reading, you know, the, uh, the crucifixion story, the, the road to Calvary story. And as I was reading it and he read it and um, he was like, okay, so what are your thoughts? And I'm like, you know, I don't process like that. I just can't process like off the clock. I said, let me pray on it. Let me, you know, let me um, go ahead and delve into it some more. And he was like, well, you know, we're going to do this, ser- this series and I need you to be, you know, he's always... <laughs> Y'all know Pastor, y'all remember. Um, So I was like, okay, I'll get to it. Well, you know, me, my procrastination, laziness, et cetera, et cetera. I did not, you know, share the thoughts until he was pretty much done. He's like, I'm done with the sermon. I'm done with the series. I'll just do it by myself. (laughs) That's not oneness, dear. But anyways, (laughs) um, I was just thinking about it and I was uh, kind of going over some, uh, going over those passages of scripture and just really looking, looking at what the cross meant. And I think a lot of times, and for me, I just have to go and, into the scripture and just, you know, I got to tear it apart. I got to lift up the, the rocks and the trees and go behind the bushes and I, you know, to really get an understanding of, of what the cross means and what does it mean to Christians. What does it mean to us as a people? And so Paul really uh, begins uh, talking to, to the churches. He begins to explain to them, you know, what the cross meant and what the cross, what, what the penalty of the cross and what Christ sacrificed for our lives. So theologically, the word cross was used as a, a summary or a description of the gospel, of, our, of the gospel of salvation. So we know that when we look at crosses, I mean, we see crosses all over the place. People wear them on their necks, T-shirts, you know, and when we see that, it reminds us, it should remind us, the Christian, that it should remind us of the salvation that was rendered to us upon that cross. So the preaching of the gospel in the, uh, the preaching of the gospel is the word of the cross. It's the preaching of Christ being crucified. And so as we're getting ready to go into this Easter season, I really want us to have an understanding of what the cross meant, what the cross symbolized, the death, the resurrect, the, bur- the death, burial, and resurrection that occurred. A lot of times we know the Easter story. We know the Easter story, but there is so much that lies under that story when we really begin to dig in and see what our Lord and Savior the cost, the penalty that he paid for our sins is much deeper than him coming from heaven, amen? It's much deeper than the Easter story when you go underneath it. We see the, oh, he resurrected, he, you know, he, he got beat, he, he was put on the cross, he died, he rose on the third day. There is so much more that happened during this time, that, that happened during that time period that, you know, I understand that the Bible can't put every detail into it, but it gives us enough word. It gives us enough for us to, to be like me, to be nosy and to get into the books and to start looking and seeing what really happened, you know, what, what, what was really occurring there. And so I want to finish or, or walk us through the, the road to Calvary uh, as we uh, approach this Easter season. So the word cross is also the word of reconciliation. So Jesus 
walked the road to Calvary to reconcile us back to his father. And as I had said the last time I spoke, talked about the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve had sinned against the Lord. They had, uh, by their own volition that they made the choice to sin and to eat from the, the tree that they were tempted, that, 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 that the Lord had told them not to eat of. And just out of their own flesh, out of their own desire, they decided, you know, looks good to me. Let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and, and, and take a bite. So the cross was for reconciliation for the sins of the world, of, of us, for the sins of, of humankind, because sin entered the world through one man. It is through the cross that God reconciled the Jews and the Gentiles, abolishing that, that divide, abolishing the wall that the enemy had, had put between us. So it is, um, the cross is also a symbol of the blood, the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. That blood is what made the reconciliation, the peace of our reconciliation. Uh, the cross also is a symbol of the shame and humiliation that Christ took for us, amen? As well as God's wisdom and his glory revealed through it. You know, <laughs> that right there just ought to make you just say, wow. The sins that we have committed, amen? <laughs> just don't nobody faint. We're not gonna reveal it. But the sins that we, as Christians, have committed, will commit, <laughs> past, present, and future sins, God took the shame of our, our sins, took them on himself, and went to the cross for us. We see the depiction when we look at movies of Jesus carrying the cross, Jesus on the road to uh, uh, Calvary, carrying that cross up the hill. He didn't actually, and when you really read the scripture, he didn't actually carry an entire cross. He carried the, the, the crossbar of the cross up that hill. Um, and so as he was carrying that crossbar, that crossbar represent, it, it was part of the cross, the, 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 it was a crossbar of the cross. It was that piece that uh, his hands were stretched out and nailed to, and his feet were nailed to the, to the main, main pillar of the cross. And as we think about that, you gotta give God praise that, Lord, I'm the one who should have been on that cross. It's for my sins, okay? It's for my stealing, my cheating, my hatred, my unforgiveness, all the sins that I have committed in life. Before I even came on the scene, Christ loved me enough to stretch himself out and die for our sins. So the cross is a symbol of the union that Christ has with us. Even though we weren't even born yet, it's, it's, it's the union and the love that he expressed. It was, the, the, it was the, the covering up our virtue, the covering of our sins, that Christ loved us so much. There's a quote from um, Jerry Bridges. It says, if we want proof of God's love for us, then we must look first at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice of our sins. Calvary is one of the objective, absolute, irrefutable proof, proofs of God's love for us. 
I want you to know this morning, he made a way, amen? He made a way for us. We, there, I, there's no human being on the face of this earth that could have done what Jesus did. No human being had that type of expression of love or concern for us, but Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. So man was living in a, a depraved state. Because of sin, we, we were living on a, in a depraved state. So the, 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 the depravity of humans is what the need of the cross was for. Because we fell into sin, because we disobeyed God, there was a need for the cross. And so Jesus came to fulfill that need. Jesus came to fulfill fill our salvation. So uh, depravity is simply a corruption. We were corrupt in our nature. We got corrupted in our nature. We got corrupted in who God had created us to be. Uh, we denied God's uh, commandments. We denied, Adam and Eve denied God's existence. They denied his commandments. And they thought that they too could, you know, become a God. Um, and what it ended up was taking away the presence of God from their lives. The communion, the union that they had when, when the, the father would come down in the cool of the day and speak to them, when the love, you know, they were excited, you know, it was that first love feeling like, and God would come down and commune with them. All of that was broken. And, and as we look back in Genesis, uh, we really can see why we appreciate the cross so much because God could have just said, you know, hey, it didn't work out. And it wasn't like a shock. God wasn't like, Oh, Adam and Eve didn't mess up. He knew they would mess up. He's, he's omnipotent. He knew that he, that he would mess up. So he had already made a way for us. So to really appreciate the need of the cross, we must understand what uh, was happening in Genesis so we can understand what Paul is speaking about in Romans. And so in Genesis, we know that the commandment was to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But, you know, don't even, don't even fault Adam and Eve because God tells us on a daily basis, don't eat that, don't look at that, don't turn that channel, don't go into that closet, don't stop by the liquor store. <laughs> you know, I can understand where Adam and Eve messed up because I do it every day, okay? <laughs> you know, we're on a church fast and man, everything just looks so good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> The temptations come in so many ways, the enemy whispering in your ears like, ain't nobody gonna know if you stop and get something to eat, you know? Ain't nobody worried about you eating some Chick-fil-A. Just take a, just get a kid's meal, just get a few nuggets. You know, and the cravings that we have and the cravings that overtake us. And so Sunday, I did not mess up because we can eat on Sunday. So Sunday, <laughs> I was coming home. We had went and celebrated pastor's birthday and I was coming home, and I was uh, <laughs> driving down Parker Road, and I'm like, Baskin Robbins. That was every Sunday. Every Sunday he went to Baskin Robbins. I haven't been to Baskin Robbins since he passed. And I was like, oh, I should celebrate with some Baskin Robbins. <laughs> You know, I was just like, oh, we, you know, we celebrated one of his favorite meals. Now let me, you know, get some dessert. And so I was driving, I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I'm all the way in the other lane. You know, I get over. <laughs> I find myself in Baskin Robinson. I'm not gonna sin alone. So I'm like, Eddie. <laughs> 
You want some Baskin Robbins? <laughs> I said, I haven't been here since your dad died. Let's, you know, let's celebrate. <laughs> celebrate his birthday. <laughs> so I go into Baskin Robbins and I'm not that big of an ice cream eater as he was, but so I told the lady, you know, she made Eddie's order and then his favorite was nutty coconut, pistachio almonds and pralines and cream. And so I told the lady, I wanted, you know, I tell her what I wanted. And she gets, and Pastor, every time he would go, he'd be like, no, go ahead, use your muscle, girl. Work it out, work it out. <laughs> and without even asking for the big scoop, the girl was just like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and so she, <laughs> when I got home, and he's like, why am I so little? <laughs> why? So I was just like, I guess your dad was there telling the girl to give us the bigger scoop. And so um, I had enough ice cream for at least two or three days. So I go upstairs and I'm eating my ice cream, eating my ice cream, and I'm full. I'm just like, ooh, wow, this is too sweet. I haven't had ice cream in a And so I'm like, take it back downstairs. I don't feel like getting up. Take it back downstairs. I don't feel like getting up. So I ended up eating the entire, like, <laughs> pint of ice cream. <laughs> Fell asleep, woke up, stomach is on, on blast. It's just like, so Eddie comes up and he's like, you ate all that ice cream? And I was like, yeah, because I didn't feel like getting up and going, you know, to put it back in the freezer. And I was just like, Katani, like it would have been okay, but you know, it's just the example of how flesh will take us to places that we don't need to go. It was okay for me to indulge in the ice cream. I just didn't eat it. And I was like, well, I can't eat it the rest till next Sunday, so we're going to go ahead and work it out. <laughs> so that's just how easily sin can beset us. There are other ways that sin besets us uh, when we, uh, you know, because we, we want to do the desires of our flesh, and that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden is that it wasn't Satan who made them. Satan didn't force, you know, pick the apple and force it down their throats. All he did was just put the suggestion in their head. And that's, that's how he gets us, is just simply by just putting that subtle suggestion uh, and appealing to our weaknesses, appealing to the things that we want. So in Romans 5, 12, and 14, uh, let me just read it again just for our hearing. It says, <clears throat> therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And so in this, in this passage of scripture, Paul is telling us that uh, Sin has come, that sin has entered into the world. And Jesus Christ was the second Adam. Jesus Christ was the one to come to redeem us from our sin. And so one point we want to take out of here is that death originated in the human race because of Adam's sin, because of the fall of man. It wasn't, you know, a lot of people like, oh, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do nothing. The devil might have gave you the suggestion, but you're the one who carried it out. You're the one who... <clears throat> took the relationship, the loving relationship you have with God, 
and secretly, well, not really secretly, because he saw you, but you, you thought you were getting away with it and you tiptoed out of, out of that covenant and you sinned against the Lord. The, the enemy did not make you do that. It's, it's that fleshly desire. It's that sin desire within us. So death is universal and causes... Um, the, it, death is universal, it's, it's, it's all over, and it, and it caused the death of humankind. But we thank God that he sent Jesus back. See, the root cause of universal sin is not Satan, but it's our choice. Again, it is our choice uh, that makes us. When, we, when, when the fall took place, it wasn't just, the depravity of it was not just with Adam and Eve, but it was with mankind because they were the first humans. They were the first of creation. They were to multiply and replenish the earth. They were to, to uh, increase and in, in, in multiply in humans, multiply and cultivate the earth. And so the enemy simply took something that God made perfect and presented it to man in such a way that man sinned against it. See. Eating is a natural desire. God created us, amen? In order for us to sustain as human beings, we have to consume food, amen? So our body naturally tells us when we get hungry, our stomach will send a signal to the brain, I'm hungry, it feed me. Um, a natural desire, a natural desire of creation. God, God, and that's what the enemy came up against. He tempted Eve through food, he tempted her with a natural desire, just like God created sex. He had created sex, which is a natural desire between a man and a woman, amen. Um, and that desire was created because God created them to replenish the world. And so in order to replenish the world, he had to create sex, amen. And so to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. So the enemy comes in and takes the goodness of God, the goodness of creation of man, and he begins to twist it up. Now we see that, you know, the whole sex thing is it's just out of control. We have, I don't even need to, I don't even need to explain it to you, y'all adults, y'all know what's going on out there. Um, but that's a natural desire that God gave us. It's, a, it's, it's natural, it's God created and God given. But if the enemy can get into your mind, he will twist it and he will pervert it. So Paul is telling them or saying that sin entered the world through humankind. And it was because of the sin of Adam and Eve. It was because they did not adhere to what God had told them to do. And just like us today, we have to make sure that when we... I mean, you know, if, you, if the enemy tempts you and you know, you know instantly, yeah, that ain't of God. <laughs> that's not of God. That's where, why the scripture says, catch every thought. Catch, catch, catch it captive. Don't, don't allow it to dwell. You know, see, Eve stood there and Eve looked at it and said, oh, that, that looks good. Yeah, that's a beautiful piece of fruit. You know, and then she probably got to thinking, I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder what this, this, and that. And... That quick, she was taken up. So when you see that beautiful girl that at the office or that brother in the mall, I, this is an honest story. I was in King Super. <laughs> I'm telling myself. I was in King Super a couple months ago, and I was walking down the aisle, and this dark chocolate, 
was walking and I said to myself, Jesus, please help me. So, so I said, Katani, turn the cart. Just, just go down the other aisle. So I went down the other aisle. I'm just like, whoa, what was that? Like, who, who, what creation was this? And so I got all my stuff. And uh, as I was walking up to the register, here it comes. I said, God, God. And I was like, capture the thought, capture the thought, capture the thought. And I was like, hello. I was like, hello. I was like, if you don't get your thirst to be had, I was up at the self-checkout. I was like, not today, Satan, not today. But it's just, that's just how simple and how easy it is. I mean, that brother was foined, okay? <laughs> and don't think, when I got home, I did not reflect on the, every time I go to King Zipper, where you at, where you at? <laughs> and so it's just how easily sin can beset us. And we just have to be careful in our thoughts. We have to be careful that we don't allow the enemy to overtake us. And so, y'all know I'm crazy. So anyway, um, so sin, um, sin then is, is the issue of humans. It's uh, for us to make the better choice. And I, I kind of made the better choice, you know, halfway, but... Um, it, it, it is really for us to make the better choice to, to return to the Father's heart. And, and even as I was walking out, I was praying the whole time, like, good God, Lord, you, Lord, you know, okay. <laughs> so, and so, uh, depra- so my second point is depravity does not excuse individual responsibility for sin. <clears throat> Our sin does not uh, give us an excuse, amen, to go forth. In James... Uh, chapter 1, 13 and 14, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And so this this passage of scripture really lets us know that temptation is going to come. The enemy is going to tempt. That's his job. Uh, But the key to this passage is that we have to take the responsibility for sin. And as the enemy wants to take us down, as he wants to just get into our thought patterns, as he just wants to, you know, just, just plant a seed of thought in us, that we are responsible for handling those temptations that we, we, we uh, encounter. And so the key to this passage is the truth that responsibility for sin is placed squarely on the shoulders of us, of humans themselves. It's our responsibility that when we are tempted to seek the Lord, to seek, um, to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to, you, to, to unify with the Spirit and say, God, I need some help because that's weak. That's a weakness of mine or that's a temptation and there's nobody around and nobody's going to know but me and you. Um, and so it's, it's, it's imperative of us when we are tempted to make sure that we just reflect on the cross. You know, <laughs> why would I want to add even more 
to the cross. <laughs> Why would I want to add my foolery to the cross? Like, let me, let me take this moment and let me overcome it. Let me defeat the enemy. Let me let the enemy know that my union with Christ, the unity that I have with Christ, is much more important than a simple pleasure, than a moment of pleasure. And so, as humans, we, we do have our desires, uh, and they're legitimate, as I said, because God gave us those desires, but we need to learn to master over those desires. So, in addition um, to these desires, uh, God, God wants to live life. He wants us to live life and live life more abundantly. He wants us to enjoy life, to obtain the things that we want to do, to the desires that we have. God wants us, he gave us those desires. And so those desires should be used for the glorification of him. And so when we look back at the garden again and we um, connect it to Adam and Eve and we see that the temptation that the enemy put before them was just simply hitting that natural desire. It was him simply, you know, I don't know what, what the day looked like. I don't know. You know, it says at the cool of the day, so that makes me figure it must have been, you know, a little late <laughs> in the evening. And they might have been, Eve might have been hungry. They might have been hungry. And here comes the enemy uh, attacking that, that natural desire that, gave, that God gave men and using that and then telling her that you will have the same power as, as God. You will be able to see as God does. And her, her, her just listening to that instead of saying, but, and she does, you know, he says, but God said we can only eat. And Satan just got her twisted. You know, she, she stepped out wrong. She should have went to her husband. And she did eventually, but she went to him with the apple. But she, they should have, they should have, they should have just thought, you know what? No, no, God told us this, and that's what we're going to stick to. But that, that sin desire will get you. you. You have woken up in some bedrooms. You have found yourself in bars. You have found yourself high as a kite, all because of your flesh. Amen? All because you do goodness well. <clears throat> That, that you shouldn't have been in that situation. You knew goodness well that you should have fleed from that situation. You should have been like Joseph. Let me get myself up out of here quick and in a hurry. But natural desire meets sin. And a lot of times sin takes over our natural desire. So as Christians and, be, and wanting to be unified to the almighty God, wanting to please God, wanting to, to respect what Jesus did on that cross, we have to make sure that we are listening to the Holy Spirit because Jesus paid for those sins, amen? Jesus paid for those sins. So, so, the, so sin, again, is just a matter of choice. So the cross of Christ absolves humans from the penalty of sin, amen? The cross that Christ bore absolves humans from the penalty of sin. Romans 5, 18 to 19, it says, therefore, as one trespass led to the con condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you know, we, we have to thank 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for, for making a way for us, for, for making a way of repentance for us, for making a way for salvation for us because without it, without the cross, without Jesus' sacrifice, we would be all doomed to hell. We would all be going to hell. And we thank God, hallelujah, that his blood covers our sins, that we thank God that, that his love for us, that his unity to us, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us before, so much. God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. God loves you so much, amen? It doesn't matter what you do. You can go out and act Bucky the Fool today. God loves you. And God is going to forgive you. And God, God wants the best for you. You know, the last time I spoke, I, uh, and I thank one of the elders for, for calling me, I had said that, you know, God wants us to enjoy life. Now, I'm a, I was a dancer, not no more. Um, but as a young woman, my favorite thing, I just loved to dance. I loved to dance. And so me and my girlfriends, while we were in college, Lord have mercy, don't let it be a Kappa or Alpha or fraternity party because we were like, we in. <laughs> but we had, um, you know, just our, our love, for, I just loved to dance. And we were church girls all in the choir, you know, all Holy Ghost filled, sanctified and da da da. But, you know, we love to dance. So Cool in the Gang, I don't know, some of y'all probably don't even know who Cool in the Gang is. But back in the day, Cool in the Gang came in for a concert. So we all went to the concert. You know, we enjoyed ourselves. So afterwards, we went to the club. We went to a club. Uh, it's Saturday night. Church is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to stay for a little while. So we get there, and then Cool in the Gang comes in. <clears throat> the whole band comes in, and we're like, okay, Cool in the Gang is here. Let me tell you, I danced. I don't even know who it was, but one of the Cool in the Gang members, till my feet felt like they were going to explode. And he's like, girl, you can dance. I'm like, yeah. You know, we danced. I, we shut the club down, and as we were leaving, as I took, you know, after I got off the stand, dance floor, and I took the first step out the door, my feet said, <laughs> and I was just like, I can't walk, I can't walk, so I had to take off my shoes. I think today, when I see people in six-inch heels, I, I remember that night and, and the damage that it caused, but I say that because my faith is, is strong, you know, I'm not trying to brag on myself. That's all I wanted to do. Because he was like, why don't y'all come to the hotel? I'm like, no, sir. (laughs) We got to go to church in the morning. (laughs) I'm just like, you know. And so one of our friends was like, girl, come on. It's cool again. I'm like, you know what And I'm driving. (laughs) Yeah, we going back to the dorms. And so some people can't take, you know, there's some things. I love to dance. I can go to a club and I can dance to this day and it not phase me. But some people aren't, th- aren't, aren't there in their walk. They'll go into a club and they'll come out drunk, high, messed up. And so I, I want you to know that if that temptation or if that, that sin can easily beset you, please don't, don't, don't go. Pastor K is rescinding that statement. Don't go to the club. <laughs> don't, don't go out dancing. Don't put yourself into a situation where you cannot handle it. Some people can handle that. Some people can't. And, I, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I grew up with brothers that smoked marijuana 24-7. I grew up with cousins that sold dope, you know. And so when I get around it, I know those people. And I never, never in my life was tempted by it. But there's some people that just can't handle it. So you have to understand where your maturity level is, 
where you're, you know, what, what so easily besets you and make sure that you don't put yourselves in those situations. So I am rescinding. If you cannot handle it, don't go. Just don't, don't go. Don't be, they call me, Pastor K, I'm in jail. I need to be bailed out. I'm like, I'm sorry for you. You better call Jesus because I ain't got no bail money for you. So. But really, as Christians, we do have the freedom to enjoy uh, the desires and the, the giftings that God gave us. But we have, to, we have to be mindful of what we do and where we go. Amen? So that's just, that's just a sidebar. Just, I just remembered. Um, but the cross of Christ uh, absolves humans from the penalties of sin. 1 Corinthians 15 and 22 says, For Adam, as in all... For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so the, the purpose of the cross, the, the, one of the, uh, the needs for the cross was for our sins. It was for us to be reconciled back to God, for us to, be, uh, to have entry back into the presence of God, to be able to commune with our Lord and Savior. So the contrast between Adam's sin and what Jesus did for us should be first one of the things we look at when we see the cross. See, one brought sin into the world and one came, Jesus was sent to take the sins of the world and to bear them and to give us the opportunity to know him as our personal Lord and our personal Savior. So the, Christ, so the cross of Christ empowers us to make better choices, amen? Amen. The cross of Christ gives us the opportunity to make better choices. So when you get in those precarious situations or the enemy is tempting you, just think of the cross. Think of what Christ did, that he made a way for you. Amen. That he wants the best for you and that you, can ha you have the choice to do it better. And if you do fail, guess what? He loves you. There is nothing that separates you from the love of God. Nothing separates us. That God loves you and his forgiveness is eternal and that he will, he will be that husband, he will be that kingsman redeemer that picks you up again, amen? That loves you through all situations. Amen, amen. We are going to take communion this morning and uh, Pastor Sam is going to lead us in communion. Hallelujah. As we just reflect on that cross, there's so much more to be told about the cross. As we approach Easter, we are planning some special um, events, amen, skits, so that we can really just get a, a, a view in today's society of what God how much God loves us and how easily sin can beset us, but at the same time, our sins are forgiven. Our love never fails, amen? His love never fails and that he loves us. So as we take communion this morning, we wanna remember the cross.